Second Bananas is recorded on unceded Indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that Indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. I feel like that's the worst time to introduce a new animal to a cat. Is when they're that not old. Life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just hassle it. Yeah. <laughs> a new, like, super energetic little puppy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That Annoy would be... the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> She's already had to put up with a two-year-old boy as well. So, yeah. like, yeah, like, it's, it's like, pretty intense. Uh, I don't know. You've been replaced. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, uh, should we get started? Yeah. Let's get started. Let's I'm doing do it. it. Whoa! Welcome to Second Bananas, the podcast where we talk about history's greatest Garfunkels, aka uh, the clout behind the clout that you didn't know about. Um, I'm Joe. Hi, I'm Wes, and I'm Craig, and uh, we are the Banana Boys. That's what I'm calling us. Uh, so this week, um, something a little less direct, but maybe something kind of interesting. Um, I did not have time to do any research. So I went to the guys and was like, I've got an idea and I'll do a little point document. But um, basically I want to talk about uh, ugliness. I want to talk about you ugly, me ugly. We all ugly. Um, We are so ugly. So ugly. ugly. It's an ugly place. How ugly? (laughs) Yeah. How ugly is it? It's, uh, well, this episode. So I think, um, I was kind of inspired by this article I read. It's, uh, it's in, um, um, an online magazine or like sort of journalistic voice, uh, thing called wear your voice. Uh, and it's the article was called, uh, leaning into insecurity and ugliness as an essential politic by Deshaun Harris and, um, where your voice is a magazine that, uh, essentially is specifically um, sort of dedicated to a space, uh, a, a, a mag- digital magazine for and by uh, LGBTQIA plus black, indigenous, and people of color based in the United States. So I think it's really important to note that's where they're coming from. Um, they not only have a lot of that, um, they are very uh, specific about including disabled voices, in in their uh in their magazine so i think that's really cool i think you should check them out but um the article is by deshaun harris who is uh themselves an abolitionist and organizer in atlanta and the article just really kind of struck me because i think deshaun is really pointing to sort of like what is considered ugly from sort of a white heteropatriarchal um uh, standpoint of like you know uh physical ugliness and and sort of physical beauty and the a binary there 
and um i just i thought it was really interesting and like again like i'm white i'm cis i'm i'm oh like fat but i'm not like Ah uh, like, no, you're not so fat. fat. Oh no, I'm fat. It's okay. Like no, you're not fat. Yes, Wes. Now, see, this is why we're having we're talking about the episode. No, like <laughs> no, I've got like I'm I'm overweight or whatever. Like it's I'm not thin. So like it's just something that sort of like I'm interested in a bit. And um, and I think also like um, they really connected uh, ugliness to insecurity and the sort of insecurity that that uh, society. Uh, has around ugliness and being ugly and sort of like dealing with ugly people in a certain amount of ways. So um, I wanted to take sort of a quote from the article, which in itself is a quote from a speech by Mia Mingus, who is also a queer um, Asian disability activist um, who uh, gave a speech called moving toward the ugly a politic beyond desirability. And, and the, the key sort of quote um, is there's kind of a longer quote, but the, the bolded part that I really liked was uh, what if we let go of being beautiful, stop chasing quote unquote, pretty stop sucking in and shrinking and spending enormous amounts of money and time on things that don't make us magnificent. Where is the ugly in you? What is it trying to teach you? Um, and I think that, alongside of sort of um, Deshaun's definition of insecurity as not a moral failing of the individual, but rather an advertent critique of a society that seeks to punish, harm, and abuse ugly people who dare to name that our perceived flaws, quote unquote, aren't flaws at all. And I think that's a really good point. And I think like this is mostly talking again about like what sort of like the, the, the again, this, the sort of white uh, patriarchal, cishet beauty standard um and how it sort of plays into uh what people deem beautiful with race even and and sort of like body type and all this stuff and gender but i also do want to extend that beyond that to sort of that putting that idea into every form of ugliness whether that's like a deliberate aesthetic in art or someone's appearance or like sort of someone's behavior or 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 you know, whatever sort of like things that we sort of see as ugly and sort of talking about them in a way that isn't like automatically equating ugliness with badness, I guess, in a sense, and sort of, um, and a lot of the sort of like the stuff that this is referencing is sort of trying to break out of an ugly beauty, beautiful binary in a lot of ways, which I think is kind of where I wanted to go with this, but more just, uh, talk about ugliness and and different forms of ugliness and and what what our sort of feelings on them are and what we what we sort of like just the three of us kind of bring to ugliness and our thoughts on ugliness i guess mm -hmm. yeah what an incredible topic yeah yeah it was a really interesting article it was a really interesting article for me as well um and the platform the site isn't one that I was familiar with until then. So that's sweet. It's good to know about. I'm always in the market for places to read interesting, um, interesting things for sure. Yeah, I'll, but, I'll definitely probably. link this, um, the article in the, in the show notes. So people can check that out if they want to. Yeah. Um, I think that the, when you were making 
your the end of the introduction there describing um, incorporating ugliness into art and I don't want to necessarily veer the conversation up in this direction immediately but the first thing that came to mind was Eli Valley I believe yeah who does like pretty I guess I, I don't know if you could call it activist art but he's like a cartoonist and he does political cartoons quite radical political cartoons in most cases and they're very deliberately ugly yes um, he kind of tries to embody i think the ugliness in a lot of public figures and a lot of like very high level political um spectacle and pulls out kind of some of the ugliest essence from from some of that stuff which um only really resonate or only really came up in my mind when when you were doing the introduction there which i think is really interesting um i don't know do you guys know other examples of art or artists that are deliberately ugly yeah for, i think for one I, purpose or another uh this is definitely something i wanted to talk about i do know eli valley and i follow him and i think he's really good uh i totally agree i think with him it's almost like it is i don't again like this is sort of a a terminology but like i always refer to that kind of stuff as grotesque as well as kind of and that's you know whether that's a synonym for ugly or not whatever but i just think like that's actually a really powerful form of uh, illustration that I think uh, is underused specifically because people don't don't want to see it. A lot of people just dismiss it or sort of like, you know, almost like avoid it uh, because it's so deliberately uh, ugly and grotesque and over the top. So and like sort yeah. of in that tradition of. I think our crumb is going to have to come up because like our crumb is like sort of like another, I, you can see where, where Eli Valley gets influences from him, but like our crumb is also an enormous piece of shit. And I don't like, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary that they made about him. No, I'm not actually even familiar with him um, or, or I can yeah. pretend to not be familiar uh, yeah. for the benefit of the audience. Maybe, uh, if you yeah. Like. Well, I, I mean, I think everyone knows our crumb to a certain extent. He was like the, one of the, the, the the like keep on trucking kind of oh, okay. drawing that's some of his stuff but his stuff is very deliberately like like eli valley it's um grotesque exaggerated with all the zits and the warts and the the extreme textures right. um and I, I like crumb sort of brought that into sort of a broader mainstream or not even mainstream but like he was sort of one of the first people to do what were called like alternative comics that were sort of like got recognition. Um, he did a lot of Harvey Pekar's work. If you've ever seen American Splendor. Um, okay. If not. But I, another, um, but I think like that's, that's sort of like a really, a, a type of art and especially cartooning and, and, and drawing an illustration that's always fascinated me. Um, and yeah, I, I I think Eli Valley is a great example of using that in a really powerful and 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 good way. That's that's right. very very deliberately political. Whereas I think a lot of other grotesque stuff, and not that it should, but like that's sort of like the the most like quote unquote respectable way to do that kind of art is like the way Eli is going. And not to say that it's not that people don't dismiss it, but I I, I just like I think like whereas like if you did a more uh, not directly political stuff with it. Often it gets sort of dismissed as just like 
juvenile or puerile, right. and people well, do dismiss his work as that. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Don't don't engage with the content at all and just dismiss it as ugly. So this is a shitty artist. So I'm not interested in whatever has to be said. Um. Well, and speaking of juvenile, I guess moving on, moving into lighter territory uh, with like SpongeBob to a certain degree, although there's a lot of cutesiness to it. Yeah. But hmm. also, but also yeah. like, you know, like Ren and Stimpy and even mm-hmm. like Beavis and Butthead, I guess, oh, really yeah. revolved around like the ugliness, you know, yeah. the cartoons. Yeah, the ca- there are characters who are nothing but ugly. Totally. Those, <laughs> yeah. those still images of Ren and Stimpy, those like close up stills are <laughs> oh, so yeah. gross. They're disgusting. <laughs> and like that's, and, and again, um, a lot of that stuff was again someone inspired by R. Crumb, which I think is interesting. Huh. Right. But, I but I think like grotesque art, like an ugly art or whatever you want to call it, like I've always been kind of fascinated by it. And speaking of kid stuff, like I had a lot of books when I was a kid. Mm hmm a lot of kids books and i specifically remember having this this sort of like uh terrified fascination with the the sort of uglier drawn art um Mm -hmm. a couple of books i think of are i had this one called not now bernard which is about this kid whose mom keeps is busy and keeps telling him not now bernard and then like a monster shows up and eats him like Whoa. the monster is outside and he goes to tell his mom and she says, Oh, not now Bernard. And finally at, the monster starts like coming at him. And finally, like literally the, the, the climax of the book is him being eaten by the monster. And then the monster tugging on the mom's sleeve and the mom <laughs> saying, not now Bernard. And, and the book is just like, that's, that, that's scary for a kid. <laughs> I believe I've out. read this book. But I could not stop reading it. Like I was obsessed, yeah. with it, right? And I think there's something to be said yeah. for that impact. And then like I had a couple other books like that. Uh, Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins is another another sort of like famous. <laughs> it's a great book. Um, that sounds interesting. Uh, it's about this Herschel of Ostropol was sort of a, a, an Eastern European Jewish like trickster figure. Um and he one of this this is one of the most famous stories of how the synagogue is haunted by goblins and uh he he tricks them but the art is very the goblins are drawn very grotesque oh my god goblin art yeah is always like um oh, i don't think we need to talk about any more goblin art but yeah goblin i, don't know, I think we can, like... we can talk about more goblin art <laughs> that's actually it's funny point like um goblins are all up to the fucking grossest freakiest shit <laughs> yeah um I want to talk more about this, but I think, so I just want to say, um, so these books were sort of like kind of this thing that I was fascinated and terrified by. And then I remember my parents pulling a Hieronymus Bosch art book that they had been gifted off a shelf. And my brother and I were obsessed. It was like a weird, creepy, sexual, gross, violent, where's Waldo? Like we would just pour over it and be like, oh, look at this. Like this is like a a goblin with like a flower coming out of his butt. Or like this is like three people like getting like torn in half while they and and we were I don't we were like both like double digits or like like one of like 10, 11 at the youngest. Like my parents weren't showing this to like six year old us. But right. we were just like super fascinated by it. Totally, I think uh, that's a phase though with like kids though when they're just like into like seeing mutilated shit though, and yeah. Well, that's also stuff. yeah. 
it just seems so unwholesome and you're kind of like fast the fascination is still but raw and like real in a way that i think a lot Mm -hmm. of kids don't ever see um partly because that that too yeah Yeah. and like in a way that i i think uh, so you're going to be drawn to it because it's sort of like not only the novelty but sort of like the honesty of it too or like not even honesty but like yeah, the, I guess mm-hmm. in a way, like, you know, because, you know, you get to a certain age as a kid and you start to realize that adults aren't always just telling the whole truth. And not that that's always bad, but that you you start to realize there's things that adults say and don't do. For sure. Um, and I think that's part of it, too, is that sort of like pushing boundaries and like. Well, and there's certain taboos and why do those taboos exist? Yeah, exactly. And taboos around um, things that are like difficult to discuss with younger people right because they'll because they're going to have a lot of questions and it could potentially result in a lot of reflection on everyone's part and whatever all all the reasons why we want to avoid bringing up awkward subjects in whatever company that might happen but applied directly to like children and often people's own children and so they're just like no like just don't you shouldn't be looking at that <laughs> yeah then, exactly and then they get exposed to and we're we've obviously jumped to the more like um like like visceral um biological ugliness of that sure. we're supposed we're supposed to be repel um repelled from like the idea of ev- evisceration because we would like to probably avoid that idea. Yeah, totally. if that if that's going around mm-hmm. we don't want to be around like miss us with it right yeah yeah so that's a, a function that <laughs> certain aspects of what we would call ugliness kind of serves is that you want to avoid like you know feces human waste like shitty yeah, totally. situations with like toxic stuff going on that that feels ugly to the senses <laughs> like there's a yeah. reason why you're repelled from it right yeah totally but then, i think that's also like getting into sort of when we define what ugly is because because like we sort of use that word like that word is primarily described to mean something sort of physical physically unappealing right but there's different kinds Mm of of physical and emotional and like you know when when someone says someone is like someone's behavior is ugly that's a usually a very different definition than physically ugly like you know like a physically ugly person usually isn't their appearance isn't harming other people in any way. Uh, you know, if someone's not conventionally attractive, I mean, people might say that, but that's bullshit. But like ugly behavior is usually defined as not necessarily like doing something that's sort of uncouth or whatever that is just, you know, annoying, but, or, or kind of taboo, but not whatever. Usually we define ugly behavior as like someone doing something that's harmful to other people, whether it's emotional or psychologically or just physically or whatever right like it's it's interesting in the way we sort of like define them differently for for intangible things versus tangible things or like people's appearance or whatever right yeah totally um so i have um a pretty recent example that i was thinking of on this subject Mm -hmm. that's very related to um to what you just said um i forget i'm I'm missing the name of the lead actors or whatever, but I think it's like maybe a 2000s or something film um, called She's Out of Your League. 
Yes. I, I've never seen it, but I know who you, I think Jay, Jay Baruchel is one of the leads. Right. Yeah. There we go. That rings a bell. And so the, the premise of the film is like this dude who's a five uh, somehow gets together with this, uh, with this woman who's a 10. Right. Right. And the whole thing, the whole dynamic is like his whole, his group of friends are like, what? Like, <clears throat> you can't go beyond two points yeah. on the scale. Like you're, you're batting <laughs> above your league. But it's you're, you're going to get in trouble. Way above your weight class. And then, <laughs> so everyone's like doubting, doubting him, his presence in this relationship. Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of like suspicious of her because like, what's she doing with this five as a 10? And it occurred to me, I mean, the film is kind of whatever it is, what it is. But the Amazing. whole idea of rating people on a scale like that, um, it occurred to me that it, if that is the case, then the, then personality needs to be on a scale as well as a separate scale. So right. sure, you, you can judge people based on how they look, but you also get to judge people based on what they do, who they are, how yeah. they, what their personality is or whatever. And immediately for anyone who wants to use the scale you get you get get minus five on personality exactly (laughs) no matter how pretty you are and then i I think the system could work yeah that's a good point actually i think you gotta have it both you can't just do you can't just have the scale on one end and uh and yeah i like the idea that it like implementing the scale drops you five points absolutely you gotta have a little bit of a barrier scales of attractiveness there goes down your 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 emotional attractiveness scale. Absolutely. Um, here, here. That actually. Uh, that so when my wife and I first started dating, um, we were just talking about like our experiences dating because they were very different. I was in a lot of relationships that that were sort of like long, not longer, but like you know, like six months to a year. And I tended to be like a serial monogamist over like, like I went from one relationship to the other with only a little bit of being single in between a lot of the time. Whereas like my wife had long stretches where she was single before we got together. And, and we kind of, we, what was funny was we were both exchanging sort of like online dating stories or whatever. And she had signed up for eHarmony. And apparently when they sign you up, there's this long quiz that you take and it's kind of become a running gag with us, but there was a question of, um, it was like, what, uh, like what, uh, like on a scale of like one to seven, like what would you rate? Like, what would you rate your partner's intelligence or emotional, whatever, or what kind of partner, what, what level of intelligence do you, do you want your partner to have for one to seven? Rock bottom. And I'm just, <laughs> give me rock bottom. Never yeah, give, give it full intelligence. Two, I want to build them up from the foundation. <laughs> I want them to be technically brain dead. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so, the Sorry, Joe. No, and, uh, and, uh, and I put six because I was, I was just, she makes me do this quiz and she's watching me do it. And so I put six and she gets really like huffy about it and it's like oh sorry i'm not a seven (laughs) (laughs) and then because i was trying to say you know i'm gonna i would put myself as as maybe a four or a five on the scale of one to seven i'm trying to like get this through to her and and she's like no you're a seven and you just and it just turned into so now it's it's a thing whenever one of us doesn't like if we're watching a movie and, and one of us doesn't get something that the movie's trying to say 
it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's because you're a six and I'm a seven or like I'm a six, <laughs> I'm seven. Amazing. Or like I get on my level, I'm on the seven level. But yeah. um, if you can't categorize one another, who can you categorize, right? I mean, yeah. I kind of like the point scale of, of determining <laughs> levels. What but this you probably stems from... You just lost five <laughs> points. Come on, man. This stems from my, like, my, uh, my um, love of, of Scientology's um, oh, operating yeah. theme levels. <laughs> yes. I got to hit OT8, so yeah, one you'll day. Get you'll get there. <laughs> right. I, I mean, think- it doesn't... It doesn't preclude the whole concept of hotness, though. Like, it's okay. Babes can still exist. Babes of all genders and and everywhere in between can totally exist, and it's fine. And, and they're beautiful, and that's amazing. Well, Thank you for existing babes. That's the thing, yeah. is I think, it, yeah, everyone's hot. Like, everyone's hot when they're doing their thing, I think is kind Absolutely. of... That's Absolutely. What, that's like, once that's you sort of, it. like, stop worrying too much about, like, whether you're the right size or your chest is the right size or, like, you can, you you are sort of, like, realizing, you know, like, they're, everyone's beautiful when they're, when they're they're on their vibe, you know? I think mm-hmm, that's, exactly. that's what it is. Right. Like... But that also speaks to the the fact that everyone does that to a certain extent, even if people are sort of, you know, drawn to conventional attractiveness or whatever's in the magazines or, you know, influenced by that, which we all are. There's still sort of other things that come into play when you find someone beautiful or attractive or whatever. Right. And I think even a, a deliberately cultivated technical ugliness uh, can make you more attractive in a way too. I think that's something that, um, that people don't talk about. Cause if you have, if you have all these, whatever, so-called standards of beauty that whatever you get from your, your TVs, your magazines, your, your, your pop stars, and then everybody just starts gravitating towards, you know, trying to achieve that, then, then I think suddenly you, you start to beauty would start to arise from like the, the more uncommon or the more un- unconventional things like uh, oh for sure i don't know it's like yeah i don't think i don't think we always look to find the same thing um no absolutely we're looking for things that are beautiful you want to find things that are unique things that are yeah for sure you know have well, this then, kind of absolutely yeah. yeah in such a saturated culture um with yeah. images of what the expectation for beauty should be and also a good combination of, or a better combination, I won't say good, um, a better combination of actual people and their, the images that they're, you know, inserting into the conversation or whatever through, um, through social media and the internet and whatever, yeah. which I think is great because more people are able to put themselves out there and find their, find their fucking vibe or whatever. And, and that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not enough. It's not enough to counter this massive apparatus that's putting out these images. And For I sure. guess it kind of goes to a more, um, yeah, maybe a little bit more of a, mm-hmm. a radical perspective on the whole ugly, ugliness thing. But I think it's very much what the author of the article is referencing in, yeah, in a number time. of places is that like f- fascism and like a com- a complete um you know like unifying force in society under under fascism is driven by those visual images those those exactly. contrived 
those contrived yeah. and uh, you know edited and polished images of the right. ideal and, and perfection and what to strive for and the the physical and economic and emotional um, tolls that that takes on outgroups that are kind of hmm. um, developed as yeah. a result of these of this barrage of images of this kind of you know all-encompassing illusion people well, who are on the outside of that like where do where do they fit in and there's so many d- dimensions to it too of like not only like wh- what because i mean i think the author gets at this deshaun like deshaun harris does get at this stuff of of sort of like not only is it our 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 our, our thinness or our fatness and our you know whether we have the right proportions but like skin tone and not just color but tone and and even uh, like between within a so-called race you know different like lighter shades are seen as more desirable or um you know disability and and visible disability in the way that plays into things or um just uh, like yeah size obviously the shape of your face all this stuff um but how much of it is sort of also based on um falls into all of the issues like you said with sort of like this fascist libidinal uh desire to have things be um sort of perfect you know right as opposed to accepting the ugliness and messiness of things yeah to gloss over to try and patch over everything else that doesn't kind of fit whatever template or to and then make everything else fit into the template. <laughs> yeah, and then and then or and anything that can't to destroy it, right? Or to exactly or to, whether that's literal or sort of metaphorical, of of destroying it all at once or picking away at it over time until where you sort of destroy the uniqueness of it, like Wes is saying, to fit it into the mold. You know, in a lot of ways, and um, that the mold itself is is part of the problem. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think when there is a mold, when there is kind of a superstructure um, that very clearly is the direction that like the zeitgeist is pointing day in and day out, um, being staking a position out in contrary to that is radical in itself. Yes, exactly. But the and I think the the weird thing about it is. I mean, people are who they are and people should feel the way that they feel and should be confident in themselves as they are. You know, I think that, you know, taking the step of manipulating yourself to conform to something, whether it's within the mainstream or not, I think is quite radical for me, for my sensibilities. But I do absolutely like identify and empathize heavily with, um, you know, like a contrarian position staked out on the on the outskirts of like the the idea of what beauty is at the time that kind of flips it on its head. That that in itself, I think, is beautiful, even though it for sure something mm-hmm. that was shunned maybe by by the majority of of the mainstream audience. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, and go ahead, Russ. I, I was just saying there is something there's something about like even just going against the grain that like you you're at least I find myself attracted to it's just like time. Yeah. So something that is just like, you know, the, 
the neglected or the hey no one's looking at this like underdog yeah yeah almost a little bit and i think that's something in itself that's that's appealing well and it's it takes a boldness these days to find truly like oh man unknown or like underappreciated things because it's also part of the branding of whatever that superstructure to accommodate your demographic that's looking for the not so popular thing or whatever (laughs) for the counterculture dudes or i feel people the biggest win of like 2020 was is is ocean spray guy like (laughs) oh yeah this guy just just doing his own thing putting out his own vibe like like, I don't want to say he's ugly or something, but someone who's like, you wouldn't think is maybe conventionally attractive. Just the dude. Just, yeah. Just yeah, the yeah just going out for a rip. In a, in a, in a, a glossy magazine, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For, just for a number of reasons, right? Like the, tattoo on his head. He's kind of, he's over, over 40. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, I right. doesn't have like a pretty face by technical definition, but like has a very dis, uh, like striking. Yeah, face. exactly. A very, well, like, he's just owning it. And totally yeah, and the whole just thing. Owning who just he is, you know, putting his putting his vibe out there, and just like everyone just like caught it. Everyone yeah. caught that wave, and he was just like, "Man, yeah." Well, I think you're either like, you're either like, "Yeah, buddy," like that's that's what's up. You do your thing, um, or you're like, "Yeah, buddy, that's what's up." Do your thing, and you're like, "Why don't I be myself?" More? Yeah, exactly. You mm-hmm. know, and between those two groups, you got like hundreds of millions of people who would see that who would be like oh my god what am i doing with my life why am i pretending when i could be fucking doing embracing well and sort of people who are not embracing ugliness or sort of running towards or forcing themselves to that beauty ideal and compromising themselves emotionally right like compromising the inner beauty for that outer beauty and i also don't want to say like you know people who fit into that conventionally attractive mold can also not be that way. There are plenty of, of, you know, people who would be home, at home on the cover of Vogue who are, who are nice people. You know, I, I, I don't want to say that they're mutually exclusive. I, or, no, of course cause not. I think the problem is that we have to then that it's sort of seen as this thing of like, well, you have to be one or the other for it to be fair um, or something like that. <laughs> That's or, totally or, not the way like, things work. Like, yeah. I'm not, or I'm going to trust you less because you're beautiful. And again, mm-hmm. like that plays into the the other sort of half of the thing that I think like we're kind of saying like, you know, like it is beautiful to like be secure in yourself, but the truth is like people aren't always secure in themselves. And a mm-hmm. lot of that is, um, you know, sort of advertising and, and pop culture. Aesthetically and, driven, know, which is unnecessary. Telling us your yeah. aesthetic is wrong. And like, I also don't want to then tell people who are insecure, like that they're wrong for feeling those feelings. Because I think part of it too is, there's sort of like ideals of beauty and ugliness. And then there's sort of what you're actually compelled to compelled by and attracted to, which are often sometimes different. But I think more importantly, um, because advertising is really good at working on a subconscious emotional level. um, Of course, people are going to have insecurity and, and sort of dark thoughts. And I I think that's another thing I really wanted to address is, um, is sort of, um, you know, like being okay with your ugly, quote unquote, ugly thoughts and your ugly feelings and your own ugly desires, um, whatever they are. And, and both recognizing that some of them can be harmful or bad and, 
and that acting on them would be harmful, not only to yourself, but other people or that, and that there are, but that there are also healthy ways to express insecurity and ugly feelings and kind of stuff. And I think that's where the article starts to get at for me is I do like, I, I'm not like, I'm not sort of, I, I, there are guys that basically look like me who get into movies and on the cover of magazines. Um, and I, like, I, again, I don't look like Bat Brad Pitt, but I also, I think like, but I think at the same time, it's there, I, I have had body issues that I've had to work through, um, you know, other kind of like attractiveness issues and, and for various reasons, right. I don't think it was just the media. I think like I was bullied as a kid a lot. And like, I think my appearance would come up in certain ways that, you know, kids are just trying to get under your skin and they don't necessarily mean to pick on something that's, that you're particularly ashamed by, but they know how to, right. Cause they know it's going to get a reaction. So like there was a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff that I had to work through when I was younger or didn't work through because I was too insecure in my own masculinity mm-hmm. or whatever that I didn't want to acknowledge those feelings are real that I, I have worked through. And I've kind of made this pact of my, with myself of being like, yeah, if you feel something ugly, you, you're, you kind of owe it to yourself to unpack it and be honest about it, mm-hmm. knowing that that's the only way you're going to work through it or, or, or sort of like, um, synthesize it with the rest of your beliefs or the rest of your feelings that are good or whatever the rest of who you are yeah exactly right yeah 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 so that you can own it and you can like be it and you can fucking rip down the turnpike with some fucking cranberry <laughs> yeah, exactly juice you can drink a bunch of cranberry juice while you're longboarding sure. and whatever the fuck all the cars driving yeah. by. um yeah, not, and, yeah. and i think i want to say like that I think that also that the article wasn't directly saying that necessarily talking about these ugly feelings other than bringing up insecurity. But I, that was clearly part of the article's message, especially to uh, people who are marginalized by their quote unquote ugliness or quote, like not fitting into society's beauty. And, and other than that, not fitting into whatever, like being, you know, having the, the too dark skin tone or the, 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 the body that, that it requires a wheelchair or, you know, doesn't look the way the people in the magazines look and stuff like that. I think those people need space to express their ugly feelings and, and insecurities about that as much as they need people just telling, like telling someone, Oh no, you're not ugly. You're beautiful. Isn't always helpful. You know? Um, I, I think I don't, I'm not saying that you should be like, yeah, you're fucking ugly. Like that's not the answer, but like, you know, when people call them, when people call themselves ugly or fat or whatever, acknowledging that there's an insecurity there and that they don't need you to just be like, oh, well, you, I think you're beautiful, which you should say sometimes. And but also acknowledging their feelings and the validity of those ugly feelings and going beyond that into all sorts of ugly feelings, whether it's being angry at someone and wanting to punch them or you know, uh, you, you know, wishing ill on somebody or, or even just like looking at something and being really cynical about it when everyone else is sort of being very positive about it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Being a, being a spoiler about it. Yeah. I really, I really took, um, uh, a, a strong tendency towards like anti-capitalism from the article. Oh, big time. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, it just really resonated, I guess, that the the extent that people build a lifestyle out of addressing their perceived shortcomings, 
whatever it is, build kind of crutches around their ego so that they yeah. can feel better about things that they perceive to be not up to par with what the expectations are yeah. and how much of a negative impact that has on people. I think like psychologically um, to have to depend on something. It's not food. It's not water. It's not shelter. It's not human like touch or, or human interaction. It's like most likely a product yeah of some sort or a series of products or an ongoing <laughs> yeah. or an ongoing series of the cosmetics industry it's just yeah. like what's what's driving that is and, it is it our desire to have beautiful women is it is it women's desire to be more beautiful than the woman next to them like well, like who's who's telling us they have to be beautiful like i i yeah i like you see women with makeup and like sure yeah they look they look great like all dolled up and stuff but like I don't know if it's as simple as this, but like, yeah, remove all that. And if they're all on like an equal footing with like, you know, no, you know, whatever cosmetic treatments or beautifying, but I mean, yeah, I just feel it's like this huge arms race, the co cosmetics industry. And it's just like, how, how did it come to this? Well, it's absolutely. Because it poisons people. It kills yeah. animals and people and it poisons people. And it also poisons the planet. Yeah, yeah, what's driving it? Like you well, just hear all all these chemicals and like each like new hydration treatment. It's just like how are they even forging these new elements? Yeah, well, to put and in obviously here? a lot of it is is bullshit. And and some of those products are are they do something, but just because they're doing something cosmetic doesn't mean they're good for you either. Yeah, well, it's advertising. It's a derived. It's yeah. a completely contrived need. Right? Well, and it there's, goes beyond just no advertising. It's like yeah, they've again. Like I think that's something too. Is capitalism has now sort of gotten to that point where it can no longer commoditize beauty anymore. Uh, so it now is commoditizing quote unquote ugliness or differentness in the ways that it can. Obviously it can't just because part of get completely giving up that beauty standard would be to, to destroy an entire arm of, of commodification, which they can't do, right. but mm -hmm selling then the solutions to ugliness and not just physically, like emotionally and, and mentally too, right? Like the self-help industry mm -hmm. and not that self-help stuff is to all total bullshit. And same with like beauty products, skincare products, like, yeah, it's good to take care of your skin for non-cosmetic reasons too. For sure. Or it's good to get a haircut because hair get, keeps growing. And, and because, it is yeah. important <laughs> to moisturize and use, use, sun lotion mm -hmm. exactly and, sun. and yeah and aesthetics are important for more than just beauty right and i, I think agree. that's what's interesting is even cosmetics like there are non-beauty ways to use cosmetics right like there are there are other reasons there are deliberate uglinesses that are constructed with cosmetics and be sure. and beauty products um right but I, it's I true I, absolutely but i'm kind of just getting at like we as men i don't think we use cosmetics women for the most part find us attractive if if women had never been introduced to cosmetics i mean i'm i'm pretty sure i'm sure i'm sure yeah i'm yeah. sure it would all be good yeah something yeah. like but i yeah. mean to us either way right there's still a product to sell yeah there's much there, well that's what's interesting is now right. there are a lot more beauty products for men and the way they're yeah. marketed is always really interesting 
but True. that's a region that they're sort of expanding into. Same with like, I think, and I think that's going to actually blow up. Oh, I think time. in the future it is hard. like male cosmetics, I think are going to actually explode. Um, yeah, so yeah, I guess there's, stay a, there's a really that. funny yeah. episode of corporate. Um, it's a show. It was a comedy central show for three seasons. It's one of my favorites by uh, two of my favorite comedians, Matt Ingerbretson and Jake Weissman. But it's about these junior executives at this giant, like, like, like uh, Amazon uh, Lockheed Martin size corporation. And they're <laughs> one of the episodes is um, so it sort of parallels both like the difference between the expectation on men and women for cosmetic stuff. Um, but also it parallels that story with them coming up with new, new products and the product they pitch is male makeup. And the whole, mm -hmm. the whole struggle is how do we market this to men without them getting insecure about wearing makeup right and it's like making yeah, make fun it of is oh make man it a gun men men's makeup gun yeah exactly and then <laughs> like, yeah. it's war paint it's like and, and it's, so, straight up. that's how no. men's beauty products are advertised is this like it's like this tough look tough but handsome kind of thing yeah uh, i don't know but i think um i think definitely the uh the, the like j-pop and k-pop stars are i think they're already like doing a lot of like eyeshadow and things like that and like well, being like it looks pretty cool i'm not gonna lie i want to get some of those like some like flaming like yeah sh no. deep shadow like looks hot i think yeah. if you want to wear makeup or whatever i think that's fine i think that's the thing is going back to what we talked about about ugly feelings is like if if you wear if you do that stuff you're not a bad person a there's no, like a, and it's also a costume too yeah. yeah it's part of it's a costume part of it's just aesthetic aesthetics b yeah. there are also societal pressures for especially particularly for women to wear to do that yeah. and and they're not even conscious right it's systemic it's like yeah. subtly psychological um you feel good when you look good. Yeah, you, yeah, and that's part of the whole good. vibe thing. Is is if that's what you need to feel confident while we're under this system that decides, then that's great. Absolutely, of we're all conditioned. Do it yeah. right. That's mm, and I, and I think most people listening to this and most people who are sort of talking about this stuff are are not. Ever, no, very few people are assuming like anyone's saying anymore. Shaming them for shame, their makeup. That's bad. No, bad no, on no, you. Like not in the slightest. No um even like this is the water that we're swimming in right yeah this exactly is, like, i think it's great anyone who wants to yeah look beautiful or takes pride in the way they look i think that's a that's a great form of empowerment too like yeah you look great all the time and people are probably going to notice that but in, yeah. and again part of that what capitalism does is it then takes that and commodifies it and is like oh you want to look ugly here's the makeup to look ugly to paint your face orange and to like Ooh. have blue eyeliner that like looks like barf or whatever right that kind of stuff <laughs> that's an aesthetic now that has been commodified and not in a bad way it's just it just is what it is but yeah, capitalism yeah. creates a problem and then sells you the 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 the, the cosmetic solution to it yeah, you know, in a lot definitely. of ways. And then, and then when that creates an additional problem, instead of solving the root problem by doing away with all of it, it's like, oh, well, that's okay. Here's another problem. And it's the same with, you know, the mental health situation it's created where millions of people are feeling inadequate because they're not making a paycheck they're or they're doing a job they hate to pay the bills. You know, they have to kiss up to people they hate because they need the work or they need the money. Um, they don't feel like they're successes because they're not billionaires. And then capitalism instead of being like 
well, let's make none of those things matter and let's make it easy for you to get housing and then you can chase your dreams. It's like, well, why don't you take this course? Then you can chase your dreams or like, well, oh, you can't handle the fact that like you're not a success. Well, here's a psychiatrist to help you deal with those feelings. To tell you that you didn't, it's probably because you didn't deserve it. Yeah, or whatever, right? Or yeah, like self-help, like, oh, you just need to look better. You just need to, uh, we just watched that Nexium documentary on HBO. Mm-hmm. Wild. And that's like a classic case of like the, the corporate uh, alpha executive training being turned into a cult that's how they started was they were doing executive training Mm -hmm. like within corporations and they just turned it into its own, like just self-justifying, like the secret kind of like, Oh, if you want, if, if you're only a victim, if you want to be a victim, like you have to take success and, and these people are, you know, sleeping two hours a night, getting up at 7am quote unquote working on themselves. And it's sort of that, like, you're ugly on the inside, but we can make you beautiful. We can make you productive and all that shit. That's wild. Yeah. That's funny. You mentioned that, that you, you had mentioned, um, I don't think it was in the show yet, but I, I was reading your outline and you had mentioned the boys because I'm just watching yeah. that right now. And what you just said, like resonates totally with the episode I just watched. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The boys. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, All right. Yeah. This is like early in season two, I think. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was early in season two, but like he, he gets like body shaming problems a lot. And there is like a cult thing that, yeah, definitely uh, seems like it, like, yeah, tries to like indoctrinate like that values that are very yeah, cultish. And, like, and whether it's Nexium or Scientology. Episode, yeah. He was, a, he was, he then had ugly behaviors of you know sexually assaulting women and treating them badly and all that stuff and uh and instead of actually getting and you know that that cult does kind of give him the help he needs and makes him realize that he shouldn't sexually assault people to cover up his own insecurities not that that excuses what he did but but it's also then doing that to get some to extract something from him right right yeah yes exactly which is what any good cult do yeah well and i wanted to talk about the boys that's capitalism yeah exactly uh (laughs) i wanted to talk about the boys as one of the things uh going back to that sort of grotesque art is in the original comic series the artist Derek robertson he has a sort of cartoony but grotesque style that really Hmm. really suits that that sort of ugly um uh on like ugly degraded truth, I guess, in a way, um, because it is, it's sort of, there's, and it, and right. it, not only ugly in the sense of like the drawings are ugly, but the content is ugly. You know, people like superheroes, like having sex with each other and taking drugs and like gross, disgusting, scatological humor or, or gore, you, like, a guy ripping. Yeah. Apart, and that's part of being human. And, and it's sort of that ugliness is, is it's not just ugly in the sense of the drawings and the lines themselves, but the, the content and the, the story. And I think the TV show really captures that in a way that translates it into TV really well. There are yeah. things that are just sick and stupid. Yeah. And awful, <laughs> That's but, what I just watched. So yeah, like, yeah, it's they're so, all gross. so like all, the problem is there's a lot of TV that just pretends that doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. not that every TV show or, or film or whatever needs to do that, 
But when nobody does it, it it becomes this thing that we're missing from our representations of us, right? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I think that's a huge, a huge uh, impact that the whole binary, ugly, beautiful thing accomplishes. Um, and it does so much work in othering anyone who doesn't fall within that conception of beauty. Yeah, totally. And then once you've othered somebody, then you can deny aspects of their humanity. Then yeah. you can justify whatever atrocities against somebody or whatever, because they've clearly fell outside of this binary, right? They are the Hun. They are you know, the other. Yeah. And it's a, it's a mechanism that kind of divides us against each other and divides us against ourselves within ourselves against like what we perceive as our ugliness, whatever it might be, our, our physical ugliness. And I think it takes um, the emphasis away from maybe our, the things that we should be reflecting on and like, doing some self-crit on internally yeah, exactly. about like who we are and what we do in the world and what, what our interactions with other humans are and with our environment is, it takes the emphasis off of all of that, which is hard stuff to, to work on um, to begin with, but we're distracted by this, like, what do I look like? And am I as handsome as this? Am I as, beautiful as this person or that person or living up to whatever standard um it's a complete distraction it's it seems like it's that is actually the last or like the least important thing if you were to prioritize those things right yeah no i think i think you're really onto something and i think um i think that is why we turn to a lot of that stuff when it's available in art or media or whatever and because that's sometimes the only time we, we get to see it um, because right. of the taboos on talking about it in real life too. And, and in some ways that art can provide either a safe space to explore it, even when there are taboos or it's not, you're just not able to talk about it for various reasons. Um, and it can also provide a jumping off point or a, a destigma. De de destigmatifying no that's when you get the nails <laughs> it, sounds like a word. it sounds like it destigmatizing that's the it was right there all along <laughs> um yeah i think i think it's just like sometimes that's the first time you do encounter it in in the world we live in is is in a piece of constructed art rather than in real life or the first time you encounter it where people are openly talking it or even like for god forbid celebrating it right sort of whatever that is and, and appreciating it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it needs to be brought up. I mean, the, the wasteland, the ugliness that we as a society kind of leave, um, externalize from ourselves by shipping it overseas, whether it's the shitty ways that we get people in other places to make our shit for us or, the, sh the shitty things that we do with whatever's left after we're done using that thing. Either side of that supply chain is like steeped in ugliness that mm -hmm. we would not, I don't think we would put up mm -hmm. with it much more if 
we if we were confronted with it if yeah. we had yeah. to deal with it, <laughs> it was in, in our day-to-day -day lives day. right the the real the true ugliness of this society that we've built for ourselves is something that we hide from ourselves as and, a matter of process as a matter of like, like said, reiterating it don't show me how the chicken nuggies are made just no. give me the chicken nuggies <laughs> <laughs> and like life doesn't need to be that way there doesn't need to be this much shame in life there doesn't need to be this much um ugliness like true ug ugliness in terms of like how people are treated and how yeah animals and creatures and the and mother earth is treated and the ugliness that we kind of hide from ourselves i feel like it's not necessary like we can the the planet can sustain the full population without us having all that shittiness to hide from ourselves yeah totally or or to or to even like foist upon other <laughs> other countries other, well, yeah, other like a, cultures mm -hmm. other people Ex exporting it's... violence you know i think Oh, exactly. Um, the gun thing is a really interesting thing. Once you start talking about, rather than separating the issue of imperialist violence and, and uh, United States and Canadian and even European uh, colonialism and, and, and neo-colonialism of capitalism and the way we still have empires all over the world and the U.S. especially still has military bases everywhere and the horrible, violent things they do in the name of, of freedom and truth and all this shit or like rights. Um, and I think, again, going, not going, not to constantly go back to the boys, that's really like one of the central concepts of the boys is the, the ugliness of American exceptionalism. Right. Mm. And, and, and not only American, I think like American exceptionalism to a certain extent extends to Canada, whether we want to admit it or not. And it's oh, not yeah, absolutely we're, it's entirely, we're not separated from it, but we have our own uh, versions of that exceptionalism and our own versions of that U.S. imperialism. We're almost sort of like their their vizier or their you know their fucking the guy that sells them shit, the 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 metal to make the guns or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And and. Centering that part of, of violence and, and gun violence in the conversation of domestic gun violence, um, it, it, people don't connect them right away because, again, they've been separated for a reason, right? But when you start to connect them and you start to realize, oh, this is all about who has the right to live and die, who, who will be sacrificed to maintain the, the order, the order of the day who will be sacrificed to to maintain the pax romana or whatever you want to fucking call it mm, yeah um I like that. and and Lasting you'd be peace. surprised how that physical and emotional um beauty concept plays into it how civilized is the society how good are the people like there once was like you know not that long ago 150 100 years ago it was just like, oh, the darker your skin, the less civilized you are. You right. Know? And how how often is upholding the peace is used as justification for doing the ugliest things? Exactly. Like, oh, buddy. Of course. And that, yeah, like, that's it's Canada's just, whole story, man. It's not yeah. just domestically. It's not just the cops. It's like the military do what the cops do abroad in a lot of cases. And, totally. And there's once you connect that and once you realize that this gun debate is not about an individual's choice to, to to take a gun a piece of like truly something that only does ugly things something that is just pure like uh, almost like a a, a a the most vile ugly violent thing you can you can do to another person 
um, that you realize it's, it's to maintain this order, but like, and, and that the, the individual ownership is not the point. It's this larger system of control and of fear and of making people be afraid of this violence, both official state authorized violence and the, the, the almost side effect violence of non-state actors. What about the radical revolutionary violence, Joe? Oh, yeah. Well, that's just as bad, obviously. There's no difference. Um, okay, but there, that's another great subject is like ugly things done for good reasons. Yeah. What about in the name of justice? What yeah. if somebody mm. needs to die? Mm. And mm. what if an ugly thing needs to happen to somebody mm. in the name of justice? That's that's actually, that's, that is an interesting like thing. It's like, is an, an ugly tool in the hands of like a good person? Or, well, it's just a tool. So how can lines? it be yeah. ugly? Right. It's yeah, like it's saying true. that like That's a fair. back a backhoe or a tractor or, a, or yeah. yeah is uh, like a horrible machine because if you got run over by it you'd be dead. Yeah. Right. But it also can bring life and sustain multitudes. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. But I think but I mean it, landmines come to mind. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's this and then and then also like yeah, sometimes ugliness is necessary in that sense of 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 an ugly violent act. Um, and I don't want to get to whatever here I'm talking. I think it, you have to take into account power dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not trying to jam you up, Joe. No, no, uh, yeah, but, you, yeah, yeah, but you're right. But also that is used as a justification for ugliness and for violence in a, in senses that aren't necessary. And even and the ugliness is addressed by what you've just described, though, the power dynamics. Yeah, big time, hugely. And that's, that's, again, we keep coming back to sort of why is this, why is this a binary? And it's, it's a justification machine. It just comes, it's, it's really interesting. I Um, just finished watching the um, Star Trek Next Generation episode where, um, where the doctor's son almost gets sentenced to death on the, on the Mm -hmm. orgy planet. Oh yeah. Right. The planet of the bimbos. (laughs) (laughs) and he accidentally smashes into the garden yeah playing ball with the kids and it's like no and and then they're like no yeah the the penalty for smashing into the garden is death and that's that's why nobody's ever smashed into the garden (laughs) jeez man why i didn't know about that so then before you know it crews down like figuring out the situation because this kid's gonna have to get killed capital punishment because he smashed the garden that is that is for, weird, them, so. for that culture that was that's how their justice system worked yeah that was the that was the righteous violence that worked for mm-hmm. them so i mean to go into what's justified and what's not i mean if you did something wrong um how wrong was it fuck i don't know like how long is a piece of string yeah what's what <laughs> the punishment be I don't know. Like that's I'm not I'm not in criminal justice. I'm not. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, we can... should start by uh, murdering somebody <laughs> hotter than me. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the judge of who's hotter than me. <laughs> I, I I can I can justify that Guilty. with about thirty rules. <laughs> I can see this is being. This reminds me of the sham trial on like the Transformers movie. <laughs> Guilty or innocent? Yeah, it's like the fuck? that three headed thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's just another metaphor for Joe's for Joe's global history. sham trial of justice. Oh my god, I love sham trials. They're the, they're the <laughs> especially when I'm running them. Uh, yeah, I think I think these are all really good things that we've kind of wanted to discuss. Um, yeah, to talk further, I think 
kind of going back to both uh, a American imperialism and the ugliness of that system, b uh, domestic violence, c uh, Eli Valley's art and the ugliness. Um, I kind of wanted to specifically bring up Trump, and uh, mm-hmm. and I put this in the document, and I I know that. He's as a juxtaposition he's, to ugliness, he's no longer right? A hot topic. He's no longer trending on Twitter. Uh, he's his star is on the wane. But I just oh my think, god, he, he must be losing it. Um, <laughs> oh, buddy, um, I don't know if his star's on the wane. I'm pretty sure. But no, but in, can, in the sense of like no wrong in no, the eyes of you know, like it's, mean, it's fascinating how different it is now. But that's kind of because they know he's a loser now. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. He, I think he, most. People who still think he's a loser thought yeah. he was a loser. Well, and that's true. But I just, I do think there is sort of a different, it's the, the energy around him has changed since he, since mm-hmm. he quote unquote lost the election, whatever. Oh, he's just being a bit of a <laughs> we all know the election was rigged. Well, Democrats, <laughs> the, the, like the system, the system was rigged, not in the way Trump says it's rigged, but, it, but, but I, but I think the point is the point I'm trying to get at with Trump is sort of, he really spoke to there's no getting around how ugliness is key to him oh yeah in a lot of ways and how the concept of ugliness is key to him i think like his physical appearance was was part of that and i think we should talk about that and and the debates around attacking his physical appearance i think are really fascinating and i oh, I, yeah. I think there is the a there is like a go ahead in the left liberals embracing ugliness or or all punishing people for I think like both like the, the all the dimensions of ugliness we've talked about from political to physical like it's just crazy how much Trump embodies a lot of that shit and and mm-hmm. defined and brought it to the surface in a way right like his behavior is ugly his his past is ugly his and he is considered physically unattractive but and he <laughs> right. also goes to all these lengths to cover up the things that that are traditionally unattractive in a way that makes, in a lot of ways, people that makes him more unattractive. Yeah. But gives him yeah. a bravado and also then makes him appeal. Like his ugliness, both physical and psychological, are a, a deep part of his appeal to the people he appeals to. Right. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, which is like so, uh, so disturbing in its own way. Sure. But also just, an, I think, a reflection of, of the desire. Yeah, the desire for people to stop pretending and and or, stop obsessing over beauty in a lot of ways. Yeah, because I guess, yeah, I mean, like, everyone, everyone's gonna. I mean, have it's a little different idea. in politics, but like you know, I, I I think as much as like I think representation, being represented by someone who looks or sounds like you in politics, gets overblown, especially by the liberal side of things. That it's sort of the be all end all. I do Versus think that the substance of what they actually do. Yeah, like exactly, right? It's not about it, when it becomes that point, it becomes whatever. And that's a sort of form of, of deifying a false beauty, right? In a way. Well, it's absolutely, yeah, I think it aligns with the whole conceptualization of fascism that we yeah, were discussing exactly. earlier. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the, you know, the hall of illusion. Well, and it's sort of the soft <laughs> fascism of like, of like, well, it's the morally right thing or it's this is right. This is a right in and of itself instead of like, this the reason we we strive for this is because it also does this but it's not enough in and of itself to to mean anything right um but i think like as much as you know like people seeing 
Obama and the black kids seeing Obama in the White House probably changed the way they thought about what what they what they could possibly do, whether that's yeah. accurate or not, because of right. you know what Obama's position was in life, money wise and class wise. Aside, I, I think at the same time there are probably people from you know areas uh, that are predominantly white and overweight and don't look like movie stars that physically see themselves in in Trump and in in Trump's Trump's surrogates and supporters, and and not that and that that's just something that again is like a tool or a thing that Trump has harnessed. It's not good or bad on its own. I think it's it's important for people to see themselves. And I think those people already had representation, but I think, yeah, just like Trump's Trump's physical appearance did him some favors with certain people, and his so did his his horrible, ugly behavior. Right. Something that I pull from from what you've just described is what Trump represents for me in terms of like, uh, although his his branding is against is as being like an outsider or whatever. He's very much a member of the quote unquote elite, and um, prides himself on living that lifestyle, whether or not he's able to afford it necessarily. And that lifestyle, the curated, manicured, uh, resort, five-star, whatever lifestyle is in itself kind of like an embodiment of that like externalization of the ugly and the 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 fascia or the, yeah. the superficial the superficial beauty right so he he dresses himself up as this whatever the head of state in his garb and and that and you know tries to minimize whatever he perceives as he's he's left wanting for in his physical appearance but ultimately like where he is the most decrepit and i think the same is that is true for <clears throat> for anyone who's in a position of of leadership in um in the western world at least i mean in much of the world um beyond that you have to be kind of bereft of <laughs> of a soul of any like beauty inside yourself to yeah. want to be to want to be in a position of leadership in any of these countries in in anywhere in the world because ultimately you have blood on your hands and hiding all of that ugliness is what's behind the pomp and circumstance and what what's behind the whether whether you're you know um a high profile politician or a vip fucking billionaire personality or whatever um and just like rich as fuck you're you're hiding the the ugliness of your yeah. lifestyle of of the world that you contrive around you on a daily basis um, and it's being externalized to everyone else. And ultimately, Trump, for me, embodies that. And he even denies the ugliness of um, the uh, uh, and ugly going back to, to how we opened the episode, the, like the ugliness that he should embrace in himself, his physical ugliness or whatever, and, and just own instead of denying that he whatever's going on with his hair is going on with his hair and fucking deal with it. Yeah. Denying that whatever's going on with his complexion is going on with his complexion and stop doing what he's doing to his face <laughs> and whatever else i don't know but and focus on what the fuck is going on inside of himself and whatever issues are basically leading him to manipulate all these people in such a hateful manner 
but you know he's not he's not exceptional i don't know i don't know if you could say that any of the other candidates were no, any better but they're know? also i think like image wise like their beauty is polished there's a ton of uh, for sure for sure and he's exceptional in that and, in and that he's exceptional in that. it's like the the interesting uh, I, like i was listening to the know your enemy episode with dorothy fortenberry um who's a writer on like the handmaid's tale and that podcast is fascinating because it's a look at conservatism from a leftist perspective but she did this comparison that i also kept thinking of when we were doing this episode is like she compared trump's she said like trump's or politicians model authenticity that's their job is to present uh they are themselves in a way like politicians can't just be totally phony they have to sort of to to get any traction they have to stand for something even bernie sanders for fuck's sake has a crafted image that's part of, of course being politics it's who he is it's not really who he is like i don't know what his feelings specifically personally are on yeah he's a millionaire yeah, he's a multimillionaire. Right? like exactly that's part of it is like i don't fucking care I care about his policies, but I also know that to a certain extent, they are an extension of his experiences. Right. So it's like Trump mm -hmm. does that. Trump turns that on its head completely is what Dorothy Fortenberry said of like, he, he not only performs the authenticity, he, he winks at the audience to let them know he knows he's performing that authenticity in a really right. vicious and nasty way. And she kind of, and she said that's part of his appeal. And it's sort of like, that's what people like is he, he doesn't, he, he's, he's letting them peek behind the curtain, but they still want the curtain to be there. It's yeah, that, they're like, still, they're still enjoying the performance. And, yeah. and she compared it to a woman who gets breast implants and then is like, yeah, I got breast implants. You want to feel them? And that's kind of funny. Cause it's like a cosmetic thing that women do to be more beautiful or conventionally attractive. Um, but or to yeah. get more attention and that it, there is yeah. a shame around that, right? Like there is a shame around getting breast implants, even though it's the, the sort of, you know, like, uh, societal pressure to have attractive breasts, which are big enough or round enough or perky enough is strong enough that women feel the need to put some, a foreign object into their body. Not that it's like harmful or whatever, but like to do that, to undergo, traumatic surgery that physically changes them and is painful in order to appeal or whatever like it's just such an apt metaphor for this whole episode oh yeah absolutely absolutely very good i don't know wes what do you think of trump and his um and his i was gonna say boob implants um <laughs> boob implants. <laughs> that would keep him in the news i mean he it's just so crazy to see like yeah the the harm that I guess, you know, he'll tweet something and, and suddenly, you know, a, an entire group of people are, are like disenfranchised. Or, he loves it. He loves yeah. it. Yeah. But it, it is strange the way that like his, he's like, he's thought of, I think by a lot of people as, as being like ugly, like, yeah, inside and out. But his idea is that everything he's doing is, is beautiful and winning and golden and he thinks that yeah. his image is like sparkling when really it just it just seems so rotten and it's like how do you not see that it's rotten well, I, don't, I don't understand and like he how does, can you be that probably i mean yeah sorry how can you be that like wrapped up in your own world your own like your own reality i guess that 
that you're you, you're oblivious to and honestly like what's, what you, what you are what's in what drives a person to get to that point i think is like because you don't you it's it's not easy to become that kind of person right like it 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 takes a very specific set of pretty awful conditions uh and i think that goes for um you know i think that goes for for people who are on the other end of the power dynamic who do ugly things that aren't perfect activism that, you know, looting or whatever can was vilified and, and made quote unquote ugly an ugly activity by the press, but that like there are property damage, property damage, right? (laughs) Meaningless. Yeah. But, but it matters. And, and that, and that sort of like, or even beyond that, like if you do, you know, if you are, you know, you do start shit with the cops and then, things get violent and and bystanders get hurt and it sort of gets this blame put on people but it's like what did you expect you've pushed you know what did you expect given every influence on these people and again yeah go ahead again i don't want to like extend that to trump and like what did you expect from trump in the sense that he's on the top of the power dynamic and he has a much bigger responsibility to act appropriately totally but but as we established is when the power dynamic is in your favor, as in punching up, then your righteous act is no longer ugly. Yes, exactly. Hmm. And I think you get a pass, you got a hall pass. But at the same time, I do think like, also, uh, if we're going to be consider material forces in the way they shape us, which I think we all kind of do to a certain extent, um, we have to accept that that's, that's true for the people, the ugly people on the top of the power dynamic that do it too, that there are there are like what Wes, like you said, like what makes what, how do you do that? How do you become that person? There are material forces making those people blind to the harm they cause, or if not blind, like whether that's willful blindness or not, right. Is like they justify their own ugliness and even turn it into beauty. Be like, no, this is the right thing. This I'm just doing what the system says. Like I'm a shark, I'm a winner mm-hmm. and you're a, yeah. and you mm-hmm. just don't get it. Like that's its mm-hmm. own ugly beauty dynamic. It's like, well, now yeah. that I'm the fascist in charge, I get to determine exactly. what the fascist standard is. I, I, yeah, I wonder, I was just gonna say, I wonder how many of those like fascist documents and like things calling for genocide referred to beauty and creating a beautiful race. Of, Purity. Like, yes, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, and how that ties back into the standard of beauty, right? That Absolutely. I didn't, Absolutely. yeah, I didn't want to make that the whole episode about that in itself, A, because- I'm a white guy and I'm a, I'm a whatever. So, but also like, I'm handsome as fuck. So I'm so beautiful. No, because you know, there are a lot of, of those quote unquote ugly categories that none, not, none of the three of us fit into. Right. Technically. Mm-hmm. So a, I didn't want to speak in that territory. We can't ignore it. And we've talked about it, but also B, I wanted to explore the ugliness that we've personally experienced too. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was a, that was a really good, um, a really good touch point to, to discuss this. Yeah. And the whole civility argument in politics, like tone and all that stuff and, and the way it's, it's abused to be like, well, if your politics aren't civil enough, if you don't say, if you say the F word in a tweet about, if you say, oh, we're fucking dying over here defund the police and people are like mm, you shouldn't have said the f word when you asked to do mm-hmm. police now i'm not gonna or whatever yeah. right is its own and and trump also another way that he breaks that taboo 
he breaks it in a way that's violent and disgusting and 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 harmful but that's part of his thrill too is is that he will break that taboo when even a lot of politicians who are better than him and like quote unquote better than him like even like bernie sanders can't isn't allowed to break the civility taboo in ways that trump just is because yeah. he cultivates that audience right because he doesn't care about being seen to punch down yeah. egregiously yeah and why why is he, it why he actually we, thrives on it why are certain groups like allotted to act in well, ways that other groups would be it's just value as being like yeah liberals have behavior. certain values and there's amidst like the leadership whatever the leadership right. class there's like an understanding within like the insiders who trump branded his run as being against the insiders as an outsider and the in, within that group whatever the washington elite or the whatever there's just an understanding that you'll always keep right. it civil and it's partially <laughs> um founded in the fact that they're actually both working towards the same goal right yeah right like whether you're a republican or a democrat you're not yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're both interested in things staying so that there's just Republicans and Democrats. Well, and civility <laughs> is not it. only a performance in that sense, but a way to maintain that system. Because there's a barrier. You need to be of this class in order to have a seat at this table. Exactly. And that's that's where the radical voice mm -hmm. of a protest or a looting or a, or a vandalism or graffiti or whatever is um is what or, it is or in terms tweeting of snake emojis on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> right, being uncivil is the voice of the oppressed is yeah. the voice of the people on the on the you know the raw end of the power dynamic well and that people i think that's which like, is why it's bullshit um and yeah and it's I, not something that should be adhered to at all. and even just thinking of people who uh commit ugly acts because of out of desperation and you know oh, exactly. someone who becomes a, a a a person who has to engage in violence to survive is is so fundamentally different and that that ugliness should be much treated with much more compassion than someone who engages in ugliness to materially benefit when they're already on top of the food chain exactly and and that like we don't do that we don't let we don't allow that ugliness for the most desperate among us because they don't have that oblige, noblesse oblige of like, well, they, they know best because they're in that ruling class, right? It's like, no, you're stupid. You didn't get the education and it's not your fault, but we still have to punish you so you won't do it again. And that is just as much a liberal attitude as it is a conservative attitude. It's just, it's expressed in cuter terms. Mm -hmm. And that's decision, why I yeah. should be allowed to shoot my boss. No, I'm joking. That's a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> but keep it in. That's going to be our soundbite for the episode. <laughs> Joe um, gets ugly. Oh man, get ugly. There was something. There was something I wanted to mention, and I it only came to me when we had already left the topic. No, no, that's fine. when we were we were talking about artists and stuff. And I never, when I was thinking about like examples of obvious, I had never thought about artists, but. Um, it came to me while we were talking and I, I thought it was a really good example, especially something that uh, it, it was almost beautiful in the grotesque um, kind of ugliness of its work was the art of, um, of Geiger, Geiger, yeah, Geiger. Sure. Great example. 
yeah and it was just so grotesque and so ugly that it had like kind of this beauty in it almost and yeah i i remember like looking at some of his 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 stuff like i was obviously a fan of aliens but seeing i think some of his prints or some of his concept work in like heavy metal magazine and it's just like it's like entrancing you can't look away like yeah <laughs> no i think so you're I, right I and i think that that's specifically example. bounded in there's a lot to hr giger including like um uh you know sort of there's 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 sexual bondage overtones and stuff and and yeah sort of um uh almost like there's also sort of a fascination with purpose-made bodies um in the sense of like of mm. alien is a great example of like this is an a, a body shaped by its environment right and and again going back to like there's that sort of dual nature of that that beauty that be- like it's almost like Giger has managed to wrap back around from ugliness to beauty. Yeah, I, and that's kind of what I bring it up now. Kinda. Like, yes, this is traditionally ugly, but when you think about the the context in which it exists, this is something that has been shaped and crafted and like brutalized, refined, refined yeah, in, or, in, a, in a brutal yeah. <laughs> way to be perfect for that mm-hmm. for that purpose, right? And it's like. And that's what's fascinating about Giger is, is it's it's beauty through ugliness in that sense. And again, this is art, so I think this is the best. This is a great place to explore this in a way that's safe, right? Like Giger has never like tied a woman up, as far as I know, to do that to her, or like he's never like done any of the stuff that sort of happens to the the feminine forms in his work, or he's done it in a safe sexual context, or maybe he hasn't. I don't know. <laughs> But the point is, I would love to see Giger's sex dungeon. Giger is like a total like Harvey Weinstein. But, <laughs> and you're caping for him. Yeah, sorry. On the pod, Joe. <laughs> again. <laughs> but um, but that that sort of like that idea of like of 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 flipping of breaking the binary to show us a truth, right? In the sense of like, yes, even the most grotesque forms can be beautiful when you consider the context. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. I think actually that was something I, again, going back to stuff we already discussed, I think when we talk about the subjectivity of beauty and attractiveness, I think one thing that I, I would really like to see more of sort of in media and, and that um, is the way intimacy can make someone or something beautiful to you. Like when you're with a partner for a long time, even if they get, you know, like less conventionally attractive, you know, you get older, you get heavier, you get wrinkles, whatever, which are not ugly in them themselves. Those things can be beautiful, but your appearance changes over time. But when you're with someone for a long time and you become sort of familiar with, with their features and their form, it, it, it brings a new beauty to them of the sense of like, you look at your partner and you know what it's like to touch them and to feel them and to be with them and to, and to hear them and to know, and to know all the little things that are not perfect about them, but make them who they are. But that are intimate nonetheless. That, yeah. That you have an, a knowledge of that, you know, that very few people have, you know, that is sort of this private secret, not even between the two of you, but that you have of them that you, and that you give each other. Yeah. They don't know themselves. Amazing. And that's a beauty. And that's like something that like, I think, could be captured in media that is almost never done i don't think it's easy and i think it's like something that someone could do really wonderfully but i i think that's something that's underexplored and underappreciated about 
the subjectivity of beauty and breaking out of the ugly beauty binary is that, yeah, like your partner may not look like a model in a magazine or whatever, or the, you know, they may not look like a movie star, but as you build this bond with them, you find things about them that become so beautiful to you um, and to nobody else because, and not that they're not, they don't see beauty in that person or whatever, but that they don't see that specific beauty and that specific desire that it brings. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. That's a cool observation. (laughs) Uh, While you were, while you're describing that, it occurred to me the, um, the flip side of that, or I guess that the flip side of it is what we've been discussing for the most part in terms of ugliness, but the, the emphasis that society places on beauty and youth. And I think the pristine, whatever human form, um, in its youth is something that is a little bit maladjusted like yeah. it's entirely creepy after mm-hmm. like not very mm-hmm. long <laughs> and i think that the result um and the dynamic in our society in particular in like capitalist society is people the the people i.e males i.e predominantly <laughs> white males but certainly you know majority males who hold all of the power and wealth in a society mm-hmm. are the ones who can have that anchor to the youth and yeah. the, the 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 freshness the newness of um of the human experience of the human body and how fucking creepy that fucking is that you basically you know it's it's an accepted thing for old rich fucking dudes to have young um like fucking barely legal girlfriends or like whatever and this, mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, and obviously a little bit older than that too, hopefully the older, I mean, I think that, um, you know, once you get into decades worth of difference between people's ages and couples with a power dynamic like that, yeah, it's like the, amongst the creepiest things you can imagine, mm-hmm. but yet this is like a status symbol for, for a lot of people who are in positions of power in our, in our culture. Right, big time, and, and yeah. no wonder that there's like, I don't know, I wouldn't even call it a fucking an anomaly when it's someone not, like it's an Epstein not. or a fucking Weinstein or whatever come up. Like, it just really seems yeah. to me that that's got to be actually more normal than, totally. and well, it's and just that these people got caught, these people got yes. outed. But this is very much like still a status symbol that people chase the the quote unquote beauty. Um, that again is reflecting kind of this ugliness that we are conditioning ourselves to totally and the, the disposability of the beauty and the the way it's oh exactly started when it's no Com- longer novel commodified or young absolutely and, wow which trump exemplifies so perfectly yeah, as well exactly. with all of his marriages it all comes back to trump <laughs> he completely personifies that too for sure yeah well like, and i think like, like geographically yeah <laughs> And sort of the um, the way beauty is often defined as youthful, and especially for women, right? I think men have it too to mm-hmm. a certain extent, but men there is like a an, a, a societal societal consensus on older male handsomeness or whatever in the right context, right? Um, and distinguishedness, and that women aren't extended that same courtesy, um, and mm-hmm. there theirs is almost a fight to maintain youth whereas men, with men age it's more about um not 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 being being the patriarch being that right. that daddy the zaddy right 
Right. So and you see that exemplified so clearly in in like the drop off of a lot of like actresses in Hollywood. Yeah, it's big like, time. You can see like, yeah, lots of men will act like well into their 40s and 50s, but it's like so rare that you'll have like actresses that become well known like for their acting abilities. Well, yeah. And, and also that like you have like the case of like Sally Field, who was Tom Hanks's love interest for 10 years and then she was his mom. <laughs> right. Right. Like two years that later. flip where it's like, okay, well, uh, now you're yeah. desirable as like a, com- a fake yeah. comfort. You're not sexual anymore. What we totally. want out of you is is the the mom that's going to bring us our milkshake, right? And totally. and that's that's like another fucked up beauty standard, and not yeah. even a beauty standard, and whatever standard of like, well, now you can be this, and now you can for be sure. That. Oh, you're not twenty anymore. Well, now you can't be that young, new hotness. Yeah, it's, an <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I think, and that still goes on. There's a movie recently. What was it? Samuel Jackson's uh, the Glass, I think. Yeah, the, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Glass. Unbreakable. Yeah, the the so the woman who plays Samuel Jackson's mom in that movie is like five years older yeah. than him. That <laughs> in like real life. That is so common. Um, yeah, that's why I I like to appreciate older actresses. Uh, yeah, entirely for their acting. Oh, totally. And to hark back to the boys, like Elizabeth Shue, like is I, I thought she, yeah. she was great in that, and she's an excellent like actress. I'm glad. I hope she gets like yeah it's other stuff uh, and and to me very hot <laughs> yeah i think she's still smoking too she's a smoke show and then she was actually like yeah they kind of do sexualize her in that well, series i'm like yeah, i mean that's on? the complex thing <laughs> we don't like that's a whole on, Liz. of like yeah of, of of objectification versus subjectification and right and how hard <laughs> it is for women to be sexual in media because there's so many ways and and how hard it is to to represent women's sexuality in a non non exploitative way right and i think that's part of the problem is like so many roles are just you know you're there as as you know the the bond girl or whatever it's like you're 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 cast as yeah something that doesn't have the substance that would like even even let you develop a career if you're making if all your career choices involve you being like Bond girls, and then it's how do you expect like even you took like, the sex? Yeah, it's like oh how right. like, yeah you got to oh you want to get famous you better show your tits oh yeah you show yeah. your tits yeah what you're fucking trash for doing that right yeah so hopefully there are like I know Hollywood's like yeah it's undergoing some some changes hopefully <laughs> something like that <laughs> hopefully we'll see we'll see some 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 good come out of that hopefully. I, I'm not holding my breath, unfortunately, and I work in this yeah. industry. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. Yeah, I'm so hopeful. I think we've we've covered some ground tonight, guys. That that was a lot. I thought we'd more go like point by point and kind of like I liked how everything kind of looped back into itself a lot. For sure, um, Boros. Love it when I love when it when it comes together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, please. I would love to hear uh, listeners if you have thoughts on ugliness and beauty and all the stuff we talk about, I would love to do uh, to hear from you to talk about it further. I, I mix, I would love to get enough mail to do like a mailbag episode. Uh, mm. you, I think that would be great I, that we could touch on everything we've already fun. talked about with people's questions and stuff. Um, we have not gotten a single piece of mail yet, but I would love it. If- <laughs> Joe, don't tell them about our mailbag. No, the mail. Don't tell them about our vacant mailbag. It's just- too big. We can't get through it. That's the problem. We need a few we just- more to get enough content for multiple <laughs> mailbags. 
There's a holiday backlog. Send us emails, slide into those DMs. Uh, Text me if you have my phone number. We're so lonely. (laughs) Shut up, shut up. (laughs) Tip your hand. uh, That's something. the the ugliness of desperation to be, <laughs> yeah. of desperation to be desirable oh, right that's what we didn't talk uh, about. we need to yeah we didn't touch on simps god oh simps yeah <laughs> fuck. You mean, we could do an episode on we should, simps we should do an episode on simps uh yeah send us emails about this and about other things um yeah wow what a tour de force episode folks uh mm-hmm. really appreciate everyone listening uh, i really appreciate you guys yeah, thanks, folks. Uh, thanks again for listening. Everyone. Just to do some some uh, admin stuff, please. If you like this episode and you like this show, uh, don't just email us, but do that. But also head on over to iTunes, give us a five star rating and a review. Uh, that will help us get up in the almighty algorithm and be seen by other eyeballs. Uh, share yeah. the show on social media. Uh, you can follow us. We're uh, at to the number two bananas pod on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me. I'm at stop Joe now on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow me. I am at W2 dubs on Twitter and at West Walcott on Instagram. And you can't follow me. Oh no. Craig refuses to submit to the, the beauty of Twitter. You will only Uh, be Craig. This is no, the waters are, the waters are good. Now there's never been a better time to get on social media. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's all we have today. Thank you again for listening to Second Bananas. And we will see you in two weeks when we talk about Sarah Michelle Geller. And we're going to have a special guest on that one. So stay tuned. Nice. All right. Stay forward to it, everyone. And uh, Weth and Craig, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Take care. Bye. Bye.